No fear. No political correctness. No wokeism. You're listening to Underground USA. Thanks for downloading and listening. I'm Frank Salvato. Before we get into Monday's America's Third Watch segment, I wanted to play Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' presidential campaign suspension speech. It's just five minutes long, but it illustrates the humble modesty of a true leader. Far from utilizing the typical blame-everyone-else political move that just about every inside-the-beltway politician uses when things don't go their way, DeSantis accepted the realities of the matter. Greetings from Florida. The warmth of being home is a reminder why I've chosen public service. From joining the United States Navy and serving in Iraq, to representing the people in the U.S. Congress, and now serving as governor of Florida. And it reminds me why I decided to run for president, to fight for those who have been forgotten in this country. This is America's time for choosing. We can choose to allow a border invasion, or we can choose to stop it. We can choose reckless borrowing and spending, or we can choose to limit government and lower inflation. We can choose political indoctrination, or we can choose classical education. These choices are symptoms of the underlying struggle to ensure that constitutional government can endure and that Western civilization can survive. And we launched this campaign to bring accountability to government, regain sovereignty at our border, and restore sanity to our society. We cannot succeed as a country if we allow our nation to be invaded, our currency to be debased, our cities to crumble, and our kids to be indoctrinated. The D.C. elites who facilitated this mess do not care about you, and they do not work for you. They work for themselves. They seek to accumulate power at your expense to pursue an agenda that is harmful to the American people. Citizens do not serve politicians. It is the duty of politicians to serve you. Talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than words. Reversing the decline of this nation requires leadership that delivers big results for the people we are elected to serve. I have a record of leading with conviction, championing an agenda marked by bold colors, delivering on my promises, and defeating the people who are responsible for our nation's decline. That is the type of leadership we need for all of America. Now, over the past many months, Casey and I have traveled across the country to deliver a message of hope that decline is a choice and that we can, in fact, succeed again as a nation. Nobody worked harder, and we left it all out on the field. Now, following our second-place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci, Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. 
He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last, of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology are over. I thank all of our passionate supporters who have stood by us through it all, that we had people volunteer to come to Iowa in the middle of a blizzard to knock on doors and make phone calls touched us dearly. No candidate had more thrown at him, but no candidate had so many committed volunteers and staff. Finally, I want to thank my wife, Casey, and our kids, Madison, Mason, and Mamie. Casey's gone far above and beyond in her support for our campaign and for our cause. She's not only a great wife and mother, she's a great American who cares deeply about the future of the country that our kids will inherit. Our kids have seen and done a lot on the trail, from playing on the famed Field of Dreams baseball site in Iowa to making their first snowman in New Hampshire. They are one of the reasons we fight so hard for what we believe in. Winston Churchill once remarked that success is not final, failure is not fatal, it is the courage to continue that counts. While this campaign has ended, the mission continues. Down here in Florida, we will continue to show the country how to lead. Thank you and God bless. It bears noting that his campaign suspension was followed immediately by an endorsement of what can now only be seen as the overwhelming favorite for the GOP, former President Donald Trump. Different from most political creatures, DeSantis didn't name-call or castigate. He outlined what he was fighting for and will be fighting for in the last two years of his governorship and beyond. And rather than personally attack former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, he simply pointed out the obvious facts about the timber and reality of her campaign, that she has outed herself as a corporatist and a deep state player, two qualities we do not need in a president at this period in history. Floridians know how devoted to individualism and freedom DeSantis is, so we supported him in his candidacy. And while the media likes to say that DeSantis' historical win in Florida for a second gubernatorial term was made possible by an endorsement by Donald Trump, that is about as far from the truth as can be. DeSantis won a landslide second term because he had fidelity to the people and to the Constitution. He won a historic re-election because he kept his promises and took the tough stands that most governors in the United States shied away from for fear of criticism. What the future might hold for Governor DeSantis is unknown, but I truly hope it isn't the last we hear of him in the public realm. Until then, we must all band together to beat back the scourge of Marxism that has made significant headway in our country courtesy of the neo-fascist left's co-opting of the Democrat Party. We must cause a fissure between the far-left faction in that party and the real Democrats. It's the only way to save the Republic from the poison of globalism and the totalitarianism of the monsters at the World Economic Forum. We'll be right back with Monday's America's Third Watch segment right after this. You're listening to Underground USA. State Farm says they're a good neighbor. 
But would a good neighbor target five-year-olds for conversations about sexual identity? State Farm did. For six months, they asked employees to donate guides to being transgender to public schools. Books aimed at making kindergartners question their identity. How do parents know where State Farm put these books? What's State Farm doing about it? Visit AskStateFarmWide.com. Did you know that Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi, I'm CJ, the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea. Bank of America wants to control how you live your life. They're building a system to track your carbon emissions and monitor your driving, coming after your Second Amendment rights, favoring certain home buyers based on their race. Bank of America is using a social score system straight out of China's playbook. Bank of America is obsessed with trying to control your life. What will they do next? Bank of America, their lies start with their name. News, insight, passion. AM 930, The Answer. We're going to open up the telephone lines at the bottom of the hour, the bottom here of the 5 o'clock hour, uh, as we uh, talk with Frank Salvato from UndergroundUSA.com and, of course, author of the book Nullification. Good morning, Frank. Mr. Kyle. All right. Well, happy Monday to you. And uh, there is a lot going on, no doubt about it. And, of course, the big, the big story right now is Ron DeSantis calling it quits at that time, just uh, two days before, before the uh, uh, New Hampshire primary. What, what, what do you think about all that? I'm sad that his candidacy didn't bear fruit because I was a DeSantis fan. Being a, a Florida resident, I've been able to benefit from his election as governor. He's a fantastic head of state for the state of Florida. He, he navigated us through COVID. Um, living down there is to live free because of a lot of the things that he championed through the legislature, uh, especially when it comes to combating wokeness uh, and, and keeping, uh, keeping his word as far as, as leveling off taxes and not infringing upon people's uh, economic freedom, uh, health freedom is another one, especially through COVID, but just basically all the time. And and I love the way that he championed uh, keeping the corporate fascism that's happening today out of people's lives. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I thought he would have been a fantastic president of the United States. But as I said in the very beginning, I didn't think it was his time. He needed to finish his term as governor, he would have had two years to to ramp up a campaign that would have been unstoppable. He wouldn't have been running against Donald Trump, and he could have been a landslide president in 2028, without a he, doubt. I, I think I, I think his his reputation 
because of what he did as the as the commander in chief of Florida, would would have far preceded him in in any state polling going forward, and, and the endorsements would have been unbelievable. It wasn't his time. He pulled the trigger too early. Will it work going forward? Will he be able to finish his governorship in Florida because he's term limited and and then run in 2028? That's a coin flip now because now he's lost once. And, right. yeah, and exactly. Yeah, I was going to I was going to ask you, is there too much damage done already to come out and sort of start fresh again at that point? You know, it depends on how he finishes up in Florida and what he does immediately afterwards. He has to be ingenuous and i believe he has been to this point you know somebody who goes through the first primary and looks and says i don't see a path to victory with the, with the way that the pieces are on the board and i i hope everybody who is aware listened to his um his suspension speech which was brilliant uh if he stays the path and he remains a voice of reason moving forward on the national stage then he's got a shot, but it's not going to be as easy as it would have been if he would have waited. Well, you're right. You're right. And, and certainly he's, he's seeing the handwriting on the wall, uh, you know, and, and I think, I think it is good that he decided when he did, you know, uh, because this, again, it makes it look like, okay, I read this, I'm going to make a decision and this is what I'm going to do. And at the very least it, it it's decisiveness. Well, and that's the way he is in his leadership. There is no waffling back and forth. People who live in Florida understand that. He's like I said, he's been a tremendous governor, a tremendous governor fighting for um, maintaining levels of freedom that exist and trying to expand them. And it, he's a rare animal in politics because he's kept his promises. Every promise he made on the campaign trail for as governor, he kept his promises. The only one that kind of fudged is when he said he wanted to run for president because a few months before that, he said he wasn't going to do it. And, right. and I think that that's the thing that's going to stick in a lot of people's craws is, is the Philly. You said you weren't going to run and you did. So are you a typical politician? Or are you not? <laughs> you know, that depends on how he acts going forward. That's going to determine whether that was ambition or whether he had people around him who were screaming, you got to run, you got to run, you got to run. Well, also, was it based to some degree on the notion that Donald Trump was going to fizzle out like a while back and, and that never, ever occurred, even with the indictments and things like that, Donald Trump never fizzled? No, and, and his it's to Donald Trump's credit, and it, it should be, it should be based on his performance last time he was in office, he's got a loyal base. He's yeah. got a loyal base. You know, people, the media hates the guy and the left just, just vomits hate towards him. But the fact is the four years of Trump, the policies were fantastic. The hate is all based on his personality. Oh yeah. Big time. Big time. I guess now the, um, the, the, the path for Nikki Haley is to try to get some of these voters, but it seems like I think a lot of the voters for DeSantis and, and those who are voting for Vivek Ramaswamy, I think that they would more naturally gravitate to Donald Trump. And I think there's this, uh, just a recent CNN poll of the last couple of days, which kind of says that, at least about the DeSantis voters. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of people who were whispering that they thought DeSantis was Trump light. 
Um, I don't, I don't agree with that, but just because, um, they had the same position on certain policies that are in the news doesn't make somebody uh, a junior version of the other, but they were of the same mindset, you know, less government is better. Restrained government is best. Um, you know, taxes must stay low. The border must be secured. We must be able to stand up and at least hold our head up in the international in forums, you know, so yes, it, it is correct that most DeSantis supporters will move over to Trump might be reluctantly because of the way Trump campaigns, which is in my opinion, a little bit childish with the name calling and the, and the, I've got to win at all costs smear thing that goes on. It's what bothered me about him the first time you don't make up silly third grade playground nicknames and, and just disparage somebody who's eventually going to end up being on your side. Well, right. You know, and that in, in 2016, it, it was for lack of a better expression, it was sort of unheard of, or it was, I don't want to say fresh, but it was sort of a new thing coming with these nicknames and that kind of stuff. And that worked for him because he was much more of an outsider at that point, but that has kind of cooled a little bit in the in the intervening years since the 2016 uh, campaign i think yeah i i you know i live by ronald reagan's 11th commandment which was actually started by somebody else out in california uh whose name i can't recall off the top of my head but it's the truth you don't don't be smirch you know you don't attack other republicans personally when you're when you're running against them in the primaries because it it allows the damage of people on your side for after the primaries you know, that's why it's a, it's okay to do opposition research, but be careful how you use it in the primaries because you're giving your homework to the opposition and the general. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. That, that said, Trump is going to be our guy. It's not going to be Nikki Haley. I think uh, before her candidacy, before she got out there on the campaign trail, there were some thoughts about people and I'll, I'll admit to it. I'm, I'm just as guilty of it as a lot of other people. She she appeared to be somebody who would be excellent as as a candidate because there were certain things the uh, the Democrats couldn't attack her on. But since she's exposed herself as as an establishment insider, and and as the usual suspects with the deep pockets got behind her, she's she's outed herself as an inside the Beltway deep stater. You know, and, and a corporatist. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as far as the, the private sector support, I get that. But I don't believe the corporations should be running the show. We, we need people who are good diplomats and good leaders to run the show in Washington, D.C., as far as government is concerned. She brings politics back into the job description, and it's not supposed to be there. We're supposed to be trying to get away from politics ruling the government. They are two separate things. We've been conditioned to believe that when someone says politics, it's the elected official. And this is the elected class's fault. Politics is supposed to be separate from government. That's, that's why the direct election of senators in, in the Wilsonian amendment to the Constitution is, is just damaging to our republic. Because they're, the senator's sole priority was supposed to be to watch out for the states, not any political party. And with the direct election, they've turned into political animals where that's supposed to be sequestered to the House. So with the fact that she's a deep stater, 
you know, she damaged herself with me. I wouldn't vote for her. Mm-hmm. As a matter, I, I was saying this to some very learned political types yesterday. If it comes down to Haley versus Biden, I've got to give some serious consideration to Kennedy just because he wants to dismantle the deep state. Well, the and even well, James Carville himself. Uh, I don't think I can repeat exactly what he said, but uh, he talked about a third party getting a lot of votes. He said, uh, and uh, he he can look into that crystal ball a little bit because he he has a lot of experience, obviously. But but yeah, the, this this is the kinds of things that can turn elections one way or the other for for well, that you, very reason. Yeah, you bet. Because and this is just. Kennedy's thought process, and I'm not a, I'm not really deep in the Kennedy uh, tactical thing here, but it is something that is obvious. He's not running to win the popular election. He's running to win the Electoral College. It takes 271 to get in, and, and his idea is to throw this election to the House of Representatives by making it impossible for either Biden or Trump to hit 271. Interesting. Very interesting yeah. indeed. Yeah, can you imagine that day? Uh, you oh, know. it's you know, with, with the constitutional illiteracy that is rampant through the media, it, it would be like China invading on California's coast. They're not going to understand that that's the way the Constitution says elections go if you can't get two seventy one. Yeah, and then somebody will say, "There's they've stolen our democracy." We will officially have a president that actually doesn't like the deep state, and that will be the insurrection. No kidding. No kidding. Well, Frank Silvato, you were telling me earlier about uh, what was going on in Davos. And for just to sort of set the stage here, uh, one of the things that was talked about at Davos, as they often do, is trying to implement a global carbon tax to deal with, uh, with, to, to deal with uh, climate change. But you were telling me that there's a uh, movement afoot to try to defund anything that uh, we would ever do to send to Davos. Yeah, first to the World Economic Forum. Yeah. First, the World Economic Forum is a is a private club of of rich people who are trying to make themselves relevant around the globe globe in a in a governmental sort of way. They're not a government entity. It's like giving power globally to weekend at Bernie's. They don't have the authority to make policy like this. They're just a bunch of people who made a better widget, got rich off doing it, and somehow believe that they're intellectually capable of, of, of leading the world. You know, you may make a great garage door, but I don't want you making international policy for me. So we want a tax. We're going to get a tax on this. Shut up. Just shut up. Go back and run your corporations and be good free market capitalists and stop pretending you're an evil bond villain. Yeah, well, you know, it almost goes back to this to this old timey notion, right? And I mean, in you know, hundreds of years ago, even, but it, the the nobility shell needs to rule, basically, you know, and they've kind of become this new nobility, for lack of a better term. Well, they're the they're the twenty first century's robber barons. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what they are. They believe that just because they're rich, people have to do what they say. Screw you. That's not the way the free market or the free world works. If you're successful, God bless you, man. God bless you. I'm glad you, you're successful. You want to be, you want to have an impact on society. Be philanthropic. But don't tell me I've got to listen to what you have to say as far as what I can and what I can't do. And, and and manipulating my government. Shut up and sit down. And there's three House members in the, in the U.S. House that are moving a bill forward. And this shocked me. 
you've got this party for billionaires. Some are getting close to being trillionaires. And we find out that the United States gives taxpayer dollars to the World Economic Forum so they can have this party. <laughs> They're so fun. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Why should we? Why should taxpayers? fund the ski trip for the uber rich so they're they're moving a bill through that says no taxpayer dollars can it can go towards anything for the world economic forum regardless of what agency wants to give them money and i wholeheartedly agree would you walk up to somebody in a mercedes and 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 give them the money out of your pocket 949-822-7959 that's the number to call if you'd like to be part of the program this morning we're going to open up the telephone lines here at the bottom of the hour. If you have a question or comment, we're Frank Salvato from undergroundusa.com. And of course, also author of the book, Nullification. You know, I, I did notice him. This is a little bit off topic, but it looks like Alec Baldwin is now, he's been, uh, you know, now indicted for involuntary manslaughter. And uh, looks like that whole thing is going to start up again in earnest. Yeah, it's uh, they've got the long knives out for him. This this DA out there, I I don't necessarily care for Mr. Baldwin's politics, but uh, you know when you when you win a an adjudication, this habit of okay, if we can't get him on that charge for for this action, we're going to go and get him on this charge for that action, and they're just going to keep looking at things that they can charge with until they win. I don't think that's the way our justice system was actually set up to be. That's why there's the double jeopardy clause. Uh, you know, that's the way it should be. If you get adjudicated as not as being not guilty in something, I think it's disingenuous and uh, and a little bit unpatriotic to actually try. Okay, let's get him on this. Would that have affected OJ's trial? Yeah, it would have. And I think OJ's a scumbag. You know, I think he did it. I think the United States thinks he did it, and they found a way to incarcerate him for it. Yeah, but but you know to just keep throwing things at the wall until something sticks because you want him to be guilty. You know, I don't know. And in this case, it was an accident and anybody with, with 2020 vision could see that. So I, I don't know. I, I think it was wrong to charge him again, but like I said, I hate his politics. Well, right. But, but the law itself though, that's, that's the thing that's what you're talking about here of being sacrosanct essentially. And, and the law needs to be applied evenly to everybody. And that's that's a, a much different thought sometimes than what we've seen, especially in regards to Donald Trump. Talk about the, you know, show me the man and I'll find the crime. I mean, that's Soviet Union stuff right there. Yeah. And this is what I mean by having fidelity to to the Constitution as rule of law. You know, you, you, you can't have two classes and two ways to do this. You're, if you're letting murderers go free in cities like Chicago and New York because the DA just doesn't want to prosecute because of the color of skin, then what you're doing is the same kind of discrimination with somebody who's got money, whose skin isn't the preferred color, when you keep going after them. That's racist too. That's that's being biased. And, and a district attorney, although they're supposed to prosecute, has to be, is they're also supposed to listen to the adjudication that comes from the bench that's following the rule of law because a jury decides that you know we're supposed to get judged by a jury of our peers not an overzealous prosecutor whether you're a former president of the united states or whether you're a, a, a pompous elitist actor 
the the law has to be equal for everybody. It's not that way in the United States today, and that's one of the big problems that we've got in our society. Yeah, well said. Very well said. Uh, Marion St. Pete on line one has been holding on patiently. I think she has a comment for you this morning. Uh, Frank, uh, Mary, you're on the air. Good morning. I wanted to say that 40 years ago or so, she decided to move here because it had driven through the handle uh, and stayed at Pizza Springs. And part of that was the sky. But lately, I've noticed that ribbons are in the sky, and I think that's a form of weather warfare. And I don't know if anybody's heard that term or not, but I saw for the past two days uh, about 10 airplanes headed mm-hmm. straight up to the sky, uh, to the sun, um, to release their payload of whatever they're spraying uh, to try to dim the sun. And there's a video called The Dimming about these people trying to dim the sun which uh, makes you wonder what's in the payload, anything good. Um, look at the commercials that with drugs, and I'm a nurse, these drugs end in IB or AB for skin conditions and breathing conditions. Those have just shown up lately. So I was just wondering if Frank knows anything about weather warfare, because I think the air is one of the most important things we have. New Hampshire Bill 1700 has actually been introduced their house try to stop geoengineering of the weather. Okay, Thank good you. question. Thanks, Mary and St. Pete. Frank, what do you what do you think about that? The Pentagon and, and the government's desire to be able to use weather as a as a military tool is that's already established. They were, that goes all the way back past World War II. You know, when they wanted to be able to make sure that the missions weren't canceled because of bad cloud cover. I doubt that the program has been shelved. Why would it be? It's it's the Pentagon. We buy six hundred dollar hammers and a thousand dollar toilet seats. So you know, I'm, I'm sure there is something for it. Whether it's being deployed on U.S. soil, I can't speak to that. Um, I I would think in a day when there's whistleblowers everywhere, that this would be something that would come out and uh, and be explosive, even even in, with a jaded media. Um, so I can't really speak to that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't agree with the level of acceptance that the experimentation on the public, the level that it's reached, um, because it ends up with things like, oh, we had a lab leak and wow, we started a world pandemic and and it's got to crush economies and everything else. So I, I think we've gone a little bit too far when it comes to the, um, the twilight zone aspect of some of our, our, our development ideas when it comes to warfare. Um, but to answer Mary's question, I no, I don't. Well, you know, John Kirby over at the white house press briefing room, he's getting a lot more airtime, uh, certainly these days. Uh, but, uh, he was asked the question about president Biden the other day saying that, uh, was the, was the bombing against the Houthis working? And he said, of course, no, will it continue? Yes, said President Joe Biden. But they asked John Kirby about it uh, to sort of clarify that. And he said, well, they, they have offensive capabilities. We have defensive capabilities and we'll, we'll continue to use them. You know, at, at what point do we, are, are, do we go on the offense ever against the Houthis to stop them? Or are we just waiting for them to lob more stuff at us? Well, Kirby's kind of an idiot. 
because they had, and he gets more airtime because the president doesn't have any because they got to keep Biden off the air at all right. cost. At you all know, cost. yeah. So you get uh, you get the clown show. That's the uh, that's the press secretary out there daily speaking gibberish, a la Kamala Harris. And and you get Kirby just spinning wheels trying to double speak as well as Harris did, can, and he can't. You know, we only have defensive capabilities. Really? Are, are you kidding me? Well, no. yeah, but he, but he's <laughs> characterizing them them as that. It's almost as if we're always on the defense with this yeah. when these the shipping lanes are being uh, threatened, obviously. Why don't we go on the offense? I guess is my take. Yeah, we're not on the offense because we have a we have a a panty waist for a commander in chief, who who rolls over, gives Iran everything he wants. He thinks that's the way to placate Islamofascism in the world. It really isn't. You know, if you understand Islamofascism at all, you know that it is an ideology that is just anchored in conquest and not just for the region. The Quran tells them it must rule the world. So they're always in a constant state of how do we rule the world? And Iran right now is, you know, they're attacking Pakistan. They're attacking other Muslims. They're attacking the U.S. They're attacking Israel. They're following the devout idea of what the Quran says. So why aren't we? I don't know. Should we be? Yes. The Houthi should have been dealt with in one, in one action. They shouldn't, they shouldn't exist anymore. And that should have been the message. Jack with us, you end. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I can imagine that as we get closer to the actual election, it will be the president today, you know, ordered uh, the 49th strike on the Houthi rebels. Uh, and you know, uh, it was just crazy. Biden's taken a wag the dog approach. He's using global conflict, regional conflict in the world. Uh, for, for political purposes for his election, just like just like the Democrats used COVID. It was said by Rahm Emanuel, and it's right. Well, it was actually exposed by Rahm Emanuel because it's always been since the Wilsonian area, uh, era and then doubled up in, in the Alinsky area. Win at all cost and never, ever, ever miss an opportunity to let chaos provide you with with the ability to provide an answer to the people because the people will always listen to them to something that that sounds like a solution if it sounds like it's organized and well thought out in mm -hmm. the midst of chaos <laughs> yeah yeah i think you got that right that's exactly it well frank salvato take care we'll talk to you again on uh, friday sir stay low my friend you too frank salvato undergroundusa.com we're coming right back If you like the podcast, subscribe, leave a comment, rate it if your platform lets you. Be sure to head on over to undergroundusa.com to sign up for our Substack, which comes straight to you, circumventing the censors and the fact checkers, because we both know that they're worthless, and that's been proven over time. And be sure to pick up your copy of Nullification, the case for decentralizing the federal government, available in Kindle and paperback over at amazon.com. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato, and we will be back right after this. This podcast is a production of the Compass Point Group.